Chapter 6 That night sleep escaped the king, so he ordered the book of records, the chronicles, to be brought in and read to him. And there it was found recorded that Mordecai had exposed Bigthana and Teresh, two of the eunuchs who guarded the king's entrance, when they had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. The king inquired, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this act? Nothing has been done for him, replied the king's attendants. Who is in the court? the king asked. Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him. So the king's attendants answered him, Haman is there, standing in the court. Bring him in, ordered the king. Haman entered, and the king asked him, What should be done for the man whom the king is delighted to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, Whom would the king be delighted to honor more than me? And Haman told the king, For the man whom the king is delighted to honor, have them bring a royal robe that the king himself has worn, and a horse on which the king himself has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on its head. Let the robe and the horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them array the man the king wants to honor and parade him on the horse through the city square, proclaiming before him, This is what is done for the man whom the king is delighted to honor. Hurry, said the king to Haman, and do just as you proposed. Take the robe and the horse to Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything that you have suggested. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, and paraded him through the city square, crying out before him, This is what is done for the man whom the king is delighted to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief. Haman told his wife Suresh and all his friends everything that had happened. His advisors and his wife Suresh said to him, Since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has begun, is Jewish, you will not prevail against him, for surely you will fall before him. While they're still speaking with Haman, the king's eunuchs arrived and rushed him to the banquet that Esther had prepared. Chapter 7 So the king and Haman went to dine with Esther the queen, and as they drank their wine on that second day, the king asked once more, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom it will be fulfilled. Queen Esther replied, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, grant me my life as my petition, and the lives of my people as my request. For my people and I have been sold out to destruction, death, and annihilation. If we had merely been sold as men-servants and maid-servants, I would have remained silent, because no such distress would justify burdening the king. Then King Xerxes spoke up and asked Queen Esther, Who is this, and where is the one who would devise such a scheme? Esther replied, The adversary and enemy is this wicked man, Haman. And Haman stood in terror before the king and queen. In his fury, the king arose from drinking his wine and went to the palace garden, where Haman stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life for he realized that the king was planning a terrible fate for him. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, 
Would he actually assault the queen while I am in the palace? As soon as the words had left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbana, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, There is a gallows fifty cubits high at Haman's house. He had it built for Mordecai, who gave the report that saved the king. Hang him on it, declared the king. So they hanged Haman on the gallows he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the fury of the king subsided. Chapter 8 That same day, King Xerxes awarded Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai entered the king's presence because Esther had revealed his relation to her. The king removed the signet ring he had recovered from Haman and presented it to Mordecai, and Esther appointed Mordecai over the estate of Haman. And once again Esther addressed the king. She fell at his feet, weeping and begging him to revoke the evil scheme of Haman the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. The king extended the gold scepter toward Esther, and she arose and stood before the king. If it pleases the king, she said, and if I found favor in his sight, and the matter seems proper to the king, and I am pleasing in his sight, may an order be written to revoke the letters that the scheming Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how could I bear to see the disaster that would befall my people? How could I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? So King Xerxes said to Esther the queen and Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Haman's estate to Esther, and he was hanged on the gallows because he attacked the Jews. Now you may write in the king's name as you please regarding the Jews, and seal it with the royal signet ring. For a decree that is written in the name of the king and sealed with the royal signet ring cannot be revoked. At once the royal scribes were summoned, and on the twenty-third day of the third month, the month of Sivan, they recorded all of Mordecai's orders to the Jews and to the satraps, governors, and princes of the 127 provinces from India to Kush, writing to each province in its own script, to every people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes and sealed it with the royal signet ring. He sent the documents by mounted couriers riding on swift horses bred from the royal mares. By these letters the king permitted the Jews in each and every city the right to assemble and defend themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the forces of any people or province hostile to them, including women and children, and to plunder their possessions. The single day appointed throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes was the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued in every province and published to all the people, so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers rode out in haste on their royal horses, pressed on by the command of the king, and the edict was also issued in the citadel of Susa. Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal garments of blue and white, with a large gold crown and a purple robe of fine linen. And the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. For the Jews it was a time of light and gladness, of joy and honor. In every province and every city, wherever the king's edict and decree reached, there was joy and gladness among the Jews, with feasting and celebrating. And many of the people of the land themselves became Jews, 
because the fear of the Jews had fallen upon them. Chapter 9 On the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month of Adar, the king's command and edict were to be executed. On this day the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but their plan was overturned, and the Jews overpowered those who hated them. In each of the provinces of King Xerxes, the Jews assembled in their cities to attack those who sought to harm them. No man could withstand them, because the fear of them had fallen upon all peoples. And all the officials of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's administrators helped the Jews, because the fear of Mordecai had fallen upon them. For Mordecai exercised great power in the palace, and his fame spread throughout the provinces, as he became more and more powerful. The Jews put all their enemies to the sword, killing and destroying them, and they did as they pleased to those who hated them. In the citadel of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed five hundred men, including Parshandatha, Dalphan, Aspatha, Paratha, Adalia, Eridatha, Parmashta, Erisai, Eridai, and Vezatha. They killed these ten sons of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. On that day the number of those killed in the citadel of Susa was reported to the king, who said to Queen Esther, In the citadel of Susa the Jews have killed and destroyed five hundred men, including Haman's ten sons. What have they done in the rest of the royal provinces? Now what is your petition? It will be given to you. And what further do you request? It will be fulfilled." Esther replied, If it pleases the king, may the Jews in Susa also have tomorrow to carry out today's edict, and may the bodies of Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded that this be done. An edict was issued in Susa, and they hanged the ten sons of Haman. On the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, the Jews in Susa came together again and put to death three hundred men there, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. The rest of the Jews in the royal provinces also assembled to defend themselves and rid themselves of their enemies. They killed seventy-five thousand who hated them, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. This was done on the thirteenth day of the month of Adar, and on the fourteenth day they rested, making it a day of feasting and joy. This is why the rural Jews, who lived in the villages, Observe the fourteenth day of the month of Adar as a day of joy and feasting. It is a holiday for sending gifts to one another. Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to all the Jews in all the provinces of King Xerxes, both near and far, to establish among them an annual celebration on the fourteenth and fifteenth days of the month of Adar, as the days on which the Jews gained rest from their enemies, and the month in which their sorrow turned to joy, and their mourning into a holiday. He wrote that these were to be days of feasting and joy, of sending gifts to one another and to the poor. So the Jews agreed to continue the custom they had started, as Mordecai had written to them. For Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them, and had cast the purr, that is the lot, to crush and destroy them. But when it came before the king, he commanded by letter that the wicked scheme which Haman had devised against the Jews should come back upon his own head, and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore these days are called Purim, from the word Pur. 
Because of all the instructions in this letter and because of all they had seen and experienced, the Jews bound themselves to establish the custom that they and their descendants and all who join them should not fail to celebrate these two days at the appointed time each and every year, according to their regulation. These days should be remembered and celebrated by every generation, family, province, and city, so that these days of Purim should not fail to be observed among the Jews, nor should the memory of them fade from their descendants. So Queen Esther, daughter of Abihel, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm the second letter concerning Purim. And Mordecai sent letters with words of peace and truth to all the Jews in the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Xerxes, in order to confirm these days of Purim at their appointed time, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had established them and had committed themselves and their descendants to the times of fasting and lamentation. So Esther's decree confirmed these regulations about Purim, which were written into the record. Chapter 10 Now King Xerxes imposed tribute throughout the land, even to its farthest shores. And all of Mordecai's powerful and magnificent accomplishments, together with the full account of the greatness to which the king had raised him, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Xerxes, preeminent among the Jews and highly favored by his many kinsmen, seeking the good of his people and speaking peace to all his countrymen.